Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Hey, today I've titled this message, When God Opens Doors. Oh, get ready, somebody. When God opens doors. How many of you know that God is in the door opening business? Doors that seem impossible to open. He has the key and he is able to open them. And last week, Pastor Mike kicked off this series on Nehemiah. We're calling it A Great Work. And what an incredible time we had learning about Nehemiah being a cupbearer and what all he did and just the burden that God gave him as he got news in chapter one about the condition of Jerusalem, the walls being torn down. And we'll be picking up in chapter two today. But before we get into chapter two, I want to take a moment to give you some historical context, some information. And I love inspiration when we come to church. We get inspired. But it's also important for us to learn God's word, to be informed. I love the feast series. I thought they were fantastic. I just Now when I read about the different feasts in the scripture, it just jumps off the page to me. I say, hey, I know about the Feast of Booths. I know about the Day of Atonement because we studied and learned God's Word. And in order to understand the Old Testament, for many people, the Old Testament can be very intimidating. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And when you lack context and understanding what's taking place, but I want you to hear me today, God does not desire His Word to intimidate us. He wants His Word to draw us close to Him. And as we learn, we say, hey, this makes some, some sense to me now. So when we read this, God can speak to us even clearer. So the history of Israel is extremely important. And I'm just going to give you some snapshots. I'm not going to go into a ton of detail, but these things will be important. If you want to take notes and write them down, I do think it'll be helpful to you to be able to go back to. In 586, so 586 B.C., something very important took place in Judah. Judah was the southern kingdom. The capital of Judah was Jerusalem. The temple was in Jerusalem. The walls surrounded the city of Jerusalem. And in 586, roughly 600 years before the coming of Christ, the Babylonians came in. The big, bad Babylonians. And let me tell you something. They were not the nicest people on the planet. They came in and they destroyed much of Jerusalem. They tore down the walls. They burned the gates. They desecrated the temple. And the Babylonians, they were somewhat of a cruel people group. This is historical information. This isn't my personal opinion. This is historical. And this is what they did. They took many of the Jews and they exiled them out and they brought them to Babylon. Say, why would they want to do this? The Babylonians' perspective was they tried to do everything they could to deconstruct and destroy the cultures of other nations. Y'all with me? Because they saw a unified culture as strength. It'd be like if we got captured and they took away crawfish and gumbo from us, everybody. <laughs> this is not of God. Give us our gumbo back. They did everything they could to Take away. You see this in the book of Daniel, right? Anybody read the book of Daniel in here? What did they do with Daniel and his friends? They tried to change their names. Take away their Hebraic names and they 
tried to force them to worship false gods. What were they doing? They were trying to destroy their identity and their culture to weaken them. But in God's sovereignty, how many of you know God is sovereign? That means he's in control. Another people group came to power known as the Persians. Persians come in and they conquer the Babylonians. This is just little historical information. Many of you know the Greeks came after them and then the Romans and then you're in the day of Christ. But the Persians had a different mindset and God's timing is always perfect. Persians come in and they were far more benevolent than the Babylonians. And the Persians had a different idea. They saw if we give different cultures some grace, then they won't rebel against us. And watch this. In the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, this is interesting. Ezra and Nehemiah, they're in the Old Testament. Those used to be one singular book. It was just one book, Ezra and Nehemiah. During the Persian Empire, the Persians allowed the Jews to go back to Jerusalem. There were three different returns. They're going to be on the screen. This stuff helps me. I've got to hear it, and I've got to see it. I need all the help I can get. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? This will be on the screen. This is what it says. They allowed them to go back. The first return was this, to rebuild the temple. And this is by Zerubbabel. Try to say that 10 times really fast. Can you imagine as a kid, you get in class, and you're like, write down your name, honey. Zerubbabel. <laughs> And Zerubbabel led the group, the first group back to rebuild the temple. The second group was this, was Ezra. And this was to bring about spiritual reform. You say, why was this important? I'm glad you asked. Because the temple was built, but the people didn't know the law. They didn't know the word of God. And so Ezra goes back to teach them the word. They had the temple, but they didn't really know what to do with it. And he says, hey, this is what you need to institute. This is what you need to practice. And he brought back revival. And finally, the third return. In the book that we are currently in in this series, Nehemiah, he goes back to do what? To rebuild the wall. Now, when you think about all this, it makes sense when Nehemiah in chapter one gets the news that the wall is still destroyed, that it's not rebuilt yet, because wall signifies what? Protection and strength. And his heart is broken because he hears the walls and the gates are destroyed. So that's a little context for you. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. You guys still with me? So it says, In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when the wine was brought for him, I took the wine and I gave it to the king. Watch this. I had not been sad in his presence before. He had always been smiling. Like Pastor Mike every Sunday. Just smiling, like Pastor Marla. How I many you know? I've never seen Pastor Marla not smiling. Just happy as can be. Just smiling. He's always been smiling. He said, "I've never been sad in his presence before." So, the king. I'm sorry. Let's see. So, I brought the. I've never been. Why? Got it. I took the wine and gave it to the king. I've never been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me. So the king notices. Ooh, something up in Nehemiah today. Why does your face look so sad? When you're not ill, you're not sick, what's wrong with you? This can be nothing but sadness of the heart. I like this. I need to use that next time my wife looks a little sad. This must be sadness of the heart. Talk to me about it. Watch what Nehemiah says. I love this. We're going to come back to it. I was very much afraid. Now, he didn't say this out loud to the king. 
King talked to him, why are you so sad? And Nehemiah didn't just say, I'm so afraid right now. He didn't do that. He thought it. He thought I'm very much sad. And he, and he thought it important enough to put it here. It was an internal thought. He didn't verbalize it, but he thought it, but he needed us to hear it. But I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruin and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, listen to this, talk about doors opening. What is it you want? Ooh. Somebody's helping me on this side. Final, final words here. Then I prayed to the God of heaven. First point, we only have two today. I'm a simple man. Y'all like that because you think we're going to be eating early. I know you. I know you. First point is this. Prayer opens doors. Prayer opens doors. I believe with all of my heart, if we understood the power of prayer, we would complain less and we would start praying more. I believe we would fight a little less with each other and pray a little more because complaining ain't going to change nothing. Fighting oftentimes doesn't change nothing. But when we pray, I'm telling you, my friend, God's presence shows up. And I love this scene. I'm just going to describe to you. We're going to stay right here. We're just going to camp out right here. I'm going to describe to you this scene. Nehemiah, four months before, it's been four months since chapter one, when he first discovers and finds out that the walls are still destroyed. It said in chapter one that he prayed and he cried out loud and he fasted. And for four months, right at 120 days, this man's heart has been broken for where the people are in Jerusalem. 120 days. But for 120 days, he's been showing up in front of King Artaxerxes like nothing's bothering him, just smiling away. How you doing, King? You're looking good today, King. Here's your wine, King. I drank a little bit of it from for you, King. Some of y'all want to be part of that job. <laughs> Here's the food, King. And he's just, he looks like everything's good. Everything's good. But something happened. There came a point where he couldn't hold his emotions in any longer. Have you been there before? You've been there when you... You have something so heavy or something going on in your life so much, good or bad, that you can't help yourself. Those emotions start coming out. I thought about my mama. Mama's here today. She goes to Ascension Campus, everybody. But when her boy preaches, she comes to Highland Campus. She wants to see me live. I love my mama. Dad would be here too. He's on his way to Africa though, so he's not here. But mom, I love her. She, she's always put together. I mean, her hair is always perfect. Just beautiful. I'm going to tell you, she's beautiful. Seven forward and look beautiful. I'm sorry, mom. I just told everybody your age. I'm sorry. Ooh. <laughs> Rewind. <laughs> but she's just, she's just always got to. But I'm telling you, my mama, 
turns into a different person when she's watching sports. It's like that properness just gets thrown out the window and she starts yelling, woo, just going crazy when her team's winning. What is that? She can't hold in that emotion. She's fired up. And, and that could be when things that are sad or things that are happy. I saw, this is so funny. I saw, I just gotta share it with you. Paul Musso, Pastor Paul, I know even our campuses, but a lot of you guys know Pastor Paul. His mama is the biggest Tiger fan, LSU Tiger fan. Listen to this. We got video. I'm not going to show it to you today or another time. But video of her. Every time the Tigers score a touchdown, she takes her trumpet. Some of y'all know this. It's true. I'm telling the truth. She opens up her front door, and she starts playing the Tiger fight song for the whole neighborhood to hear her. What is it? She can't hold in the emotion of what she's facing. Nehemiah said, I can't hold it in any longer. The king says, something's wrong with you. You're afraid. You got something. You're sad. You're down. And, and, and you think, what's the big deal? Because Nehemiah says, I was very terrified. I was very afraid. What's the big deal? I mean, I've, I've, Pastor Mike's seen me down before. A little down today, Pastor Mike. It was a big deal for Nehemiah. Because in that day, to be sad in the presence of the king was the highest of insults. You're in the presence of the king. You're supposed to be, this is, this is like the greatest thing ever. And you're sad. He could have lost his job on the spot, but even more importantly than that, he could have lost his life on the spot. No wonder he hadn't been showing his emotions for a while. But he had gotten to a point he couldn't hold it in any longer. In verse two, it says this. He says, I was very afraid. He said, why are you going back to this? This is why. And please lean in to hear this this morning. His fear didn't disqualify him from the door being opened. His problem of anxiety or fear or worry, and rightfully so, I mean, the guy could have died. We're not talking about, hey, you just get let go or whatever. He could have died that day. Didn't disqualify him. Can I tell you this today? As a child of God, your issues when it comes to God's grace, his grace is bigger than any issue that you have. And he's not looking at you and saying, well, you've been praying for four months, Nehemiah. Can't believe you still got a little fear in you. Nehemiah, he felt this. He didn't say this. So I love that he put this in the word for you and I to hear it. Because when I read about great men about Nehemiah and men that are in the Bible and I see they had some problems in their life, I don't know about you, but it, it helps me a little bit. Because I think, man, they got problems too. I'm going to be all right. But I love that his fear didn't hold him. It didn't just keep him there. He didn't just stay afraid. He acknowledged where he was emotionally. And there's nothing wrong with acknowledging where you are emotionally. But your emotions do not have to dictate where your life is going. And you can be afraid. You can be timid. You can be, deal with anxiety. But God has something more for you, my friend. And then the king says, what do you want? What is it you want? And Nehemiah says, hey, this is going on. I, I got this issue. And then I love this next thing. It just says, then I prayed. Three words. Then I prayed. I do not believe for a second that Nehemiah look at King Artaxerxes and says, King, now that you've asked, I need 10 minutes to think about it. I need, a little, I need, I need to go over this little room. 
I need to get alone, and I'm going to come back to you. I'm going to go pray over here, and then I'm going to come. No, 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 no. This is what happened. This is a seamless story. King notices he's down. He says, I was afraid. King says, what do you want? It says, then I prayed. Right there in that moment, in his spirit, I don't think it was out loud, but in his spirit, he prayed a short prayer. And I want you to hear me. Never underestimate the power of a short prayer. We think, oh, I got to pray these long prayers all the time. I got to pray. I just got to sound just amazing. Oh, Lord, I'm just going to woo you with my English. God is not wooed by your English or whatever language you speak in. He's wooed by your heart. My little boy, Samuel, he's three. He comes up to me. Can't hardly understand a thing he says. His daddy. There's a Buddha. Got hit on the head. School today. Spider-Man. I'm serious. That's our conversation. I get, got hit on the head at school today and Spider-Man. I want to watch Spider-Man. That's what I get. I don't say, hey, Samuel, go work on your English structure. Structure of your sentences and come back to me. No, 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 no. I love it when he talks to me. I love it when he comes to me. God loves it, even when you're fearful. Even when you've been praying for months and it doesn't seem like the door is going to open. You've been praying for years. It doesn't seem like the door is going to open. And then it starts to crack open a little bit. And Nehemiah doesn't stop praying. Even right there in that moment, he prayed something. I don't know what he prayed, but he prayed something. I, I imagine something like, God, help me right now. Jesus, well, not Jesus. He didn't know him yet. I say Jesus. God, <laughs> maybe Nehemiah did. He had a great revelation. God, give me wisdom right now. Lord, be with my tongue right now. What I'm about to say right now, what am I saying to you? When you face issues in your life, you've been praying for things for a long time, the door starts to open. Don't stop praying when the door stops opening. No, stop. You go to a meeting, God be with me in this meeting. You're trying to do something new in your family? Lord, give me the grace to do what you called me to do in my family. It doesn't have to be long. Just pray something and God will show up. Nehemiah prayed. And boom, God started moving. He had fear, acknowledged it, he prayed. I'm telling you what God will do, he will turn fear into faith. I feel that for somebody in here today. That's a, that's a word for you. You've been facing so much fear. Whatever's in here, you just pray about. I'm telling you, whatever's in here, you pray about. If it comes to your mind, if it's, if it's important enough to come to your mind, it's important enough to surrender to your God. Pray about it. And when you pray, get ready to watch God move. I want to tell you a story about a year and a half ago. I was facing something very difficult. Struggling. Anybody else in here struggle from time to time at our campuses? You guys struggle from time to time. And it had to do with a situation that I couldn't fix myself. And boy, you talk about frustrating me. I like things to be fixed. I like things to be resolved. And I'd been battling and wrestling with the Lord for a long time. And I got, I got in my truck and I was, I was just sitting in my driveway. And I just started crying out to God. I, it was raw. It was real. It wasn't pretty. I was crying out to God. I, I want to tell you this story. Not to, this is not about me. This is about how powerful he is. 
by saying, God, I need you to move, Lord. Jesus, I need you to open a door in this situation. I can't fix it, God. I need you to show up. Have you ever been in a place where you were so desperate? Your whole heart, you felt like your whole heart was just before the Lord. You weren't worried about, God, is this impressive? You're just like, God, this is where I am, and I need your grace for this space. And I was just crying out to him. And I'm telling you right then, God speaks, my friend. Some of you don't really think he speaks. He speaks. Right then, the Lord dropped in my heart, and he says, I'm going to send. And he told me the person. It's crazy, just in his spirit. I didn't hear an audible voice, but in my spirit, I heard, I'm going to send this person to come to you, and they're going to give you a word about this situation. And I thought, Lord, I'm right here. <laughs> yeah, you can just tell me now, God. We can just not do this whole mysterious thing. Just tell me right now. I need some help right now, Lord, not later. I need help now. But I remember I thought, and in this is moment, I'm just being real with you. I thought, okay, was this me? And I just, you know, just think this up. Because this was so random, it's never really happened to me before. This specific type of situation never happened to me before. Weeks go by, three weeks go by. I'm sitting in my office, just working away. That's what I do, just working away. <laughs> just typing some emails, praying over every single one of them, just, just super spiritual. I'm sitting there. <laughs> Y'all don't believe me. I'm in there. This person that God spoke to me about three weeks before, I, I kid you not, I know it takes faith to even believe me, but I'm not making this up. This person walks past the door. The door is open, walks past the door, turns back around and walks into my office. And I thought, ooh. And the person, I kid you not, said, the Lord just spoke to me. And they have no clue about what I've been praying for. Zero. And they started to speak specifically about the circumstance. And they started, listen to me. Some of you, this is going to be a new word for you. Some new thought as it relates to God and church. They started to prophesy. That means foretelling that which has not happened yet, but will come to pass because God speaks it. To get the prophecy is still real. Can I get a better amen? I'm telling you, the gifts of the Spirit, tongues, prophecy, knowledge, revelation, all those things still real. She saw, this person started prophesying to me what's going to happen. I, I felt the Holy Spirit come all over me in that chair. They didn't know. I was about ready to get up and start doing the helicopter dance right there in front of them. I'm thinking, God, are you kidding me? Look what you're doing, Lord. You spoke it when I prayed. You spoke it. I'm just here to tell you this morning. Listen to me. When you pray, God starts to move. And some of you have been staring at a door that's been shut for a long time. And I don't know what that door is, but if it's a door that God wants opened, he's going to open it. It's not going to stay locked. It's not going to stay shut. He had a door for Nehemiah to walk through that man King Artaxerxes couldn't keep shut if he wanted to. We serve a God who sits on the throne. And this is what prayer does. Before I transition, last point, this is what prayer does. Prayer brings perspective, my friend. I've, this thought has been resonating in my heart and my mind for, for months now. It's a, it's a thought that you've probably had before. It's a simple thought, but I'm telling you, you get it in here, it starts to change the way you view life and the way you view your circumstances and situations. It's this, that my God sits on the throne. I'm going to say it again. My God sits on the throne. Think about Nehemiah. He's staring at a man, an earthly king who's on an earthly throne, him and his wife. He's staring at him. 
And he's saying, what do you want? And he's afraid. But then he prays. And as he prays, I believe his perspective starts to shift. Because the man who's sitting in front of him, his days are numbered. He's not going to live forever. The throne he's sitting on would eventually be defeated by another kingdom and empire, the Greeks. It's not going to last forever. But when you lift up your head and you lift up your eyes and you pray to the one who is seated on the throne. I feel like about one quarter of you are with me right now. And you realize that you're praying to the everlasting, eternal King of kings and Lord of lords. The one who has no beginning and who will have no end. And you lift up your eyes and you say, God, I need you in this moment. Your perspective will start to change in that moment. In fact, I'm going to say this. I didn't have this down. But in fact, some doors you're praying for God to open, he's saying, uh-uh. And you're saying, no, Lord, I don't think you heard me. Open door number one. And he said, ain't going to happen. Because door number one is not where I have you. I have you in door number three. But we say, no, God, I'm going to kick this thing in. And listen to the thing. Sometimes he allows you to kick it in. To say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm getting out of this door. I'm getting out of this room, Lord. You just pray. Say, God, you're on the throne. Next time fear comes on you, you think God's on the throne. Next time you're overwhelmed by your kids, God's on the throne. Next time you look at your finances, Lord, have mercy. God is on the throne. I'm telling you, I'll pass gas stations. This week, it was like overnight. It went up 20 cents. I think, my gosh. I'll pass it, my heart starts racing, and I'll say, God's on the throne. I'm telling you. And you say, man, that's simple. Well, if I get worried about it, I'm going to remind myself who's on the throne. BP ain't on the throne. Exxon's not on the throne. All from wherever not on the throne. My God is on the throne. You want doors to open, be a person of prayer. Second thing is this. I got to close up shop. I took too much time with that first point, but I thought it was pretty good, everybody. Well, remember, hey, remember, you're going to pray. You want doors to open, pray. Second thing is this. Faithfulness opens doors. Faithfulness. Prayer opens doors. Faithfulness opens doors. Nehemiah chapter 2. Just a couple more verses here. And I answered the king after he asked me what I wanted. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. And because, watch this, the gracious hand of my God was on me. The king granted my request. You say, what does this have to do with faithfulness? It has everything to do with faithfulness. Because for years, Nehemiah had faithfully served this king. He didn't mail it in when he came to work. He didn't say, I'm just going to get by with what I can do. Just have half-heartedness. No, he was faithful where he was. For 120 days when he was overwhelmed with the burden of the condition of Jerusalem, he stayed faithful. And when God started to open the door for him, he prayed in chapter one, he prayed in chapter two, and the door started to come open. He said, if I found favor in your sight, you know what leads to favor? Faithfulness leads to favor. Anybody wants favor? God, give me favor. I want favor of this person. I want favor of this situation. 
And I believe God would say, well, be faithful where you are. But no, God, I don't like where I am. I want to be doing what they're doing. I want to be over there. I want what they have. I want to do what they do. And God says, I want you to be faithful where your feet are planted. I might be taking you somewhere else, but where are your feet planted right now? Where are you today? Be faithful. Man, God will use people with a broken past. But hear me. You don't see him in the Bible calling people who are idle. You don't see him calling people who are idle. Moses, what was he doing when he was called? He was taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. Gideon, when he was called, even though he was afraid, what was he doing? He was threshing wheat. David, when he was called to face Goliath, what was he doing? He brought out food. He was working to bring food to his brothers. Out in the field, Elisha, the mighty prophet, when he was called by Elijah, what was he doing? He was plowing the fields. I had a feeling that day, Elisha wasn't just like, oh, I can't wait to plow the fields today. But that's where his feet were. That's where God had him. I'm sure there were prayers in his heart. God, use me in a mighty way. God says, I'm going to, but I want you to be faithful right where you are. I'm not done yet. Peter and John, before Jesus, the great Messiah called him, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords called him. What were they doing? They were fishing. Some of y'all said, I like that job. They were fishing. Jesus called them when they were active. Matthew, even a tax collector, a position that was not reputable. What was he doing? He was doing his job. Every single person, they were faithful to what it was their task was. I've come today to tell you, you want doors to open your life? Anybody want doors to open in your life? Prayer opens doors, but faithfulness opens doors. Your marriage is struggling? Be faithful. Your kids are acting like hoodlums? Be faithful as a parent. You want more success? Be faithful where you are. I don't like my job. I don't like my boss. Who knows? Nehemiah might not have been crazy about King Artaxerxes. Be faithful. I felt this strong this morning. All of our campuses hear this. God's getting ready to open up some doors. And the doors are all, hear me, all for his glory. Not for my glory, not for your glory. And if we will just position ourselves, God, I'm going to pray and I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to be faithful. Get ready for doors that you thought would never come unlocked to come unlocked. I was thinking about last week, Pastor Mike talking to us about Ascension Campus. He said, man, we got the bids back. God's going to do what he wants to do, but hear me. There is no numerical amount that's intimidating to our God. I'm telling you, there is no numerical amount that God's like, ooh, how many millions you say? I don't know about that. He is on the throne. Your marriage, be faithful. He's on the throne. 
Your job, be faithful. He's on the throne. Your miracle you need, be faithful. He's on the throne. The breakthrough you've been asking for, be faithful, because he's on the throne. You know who the faithful one was? Nehemiah was just a taste. He was just the appetizer, because there'd be one who would come later by the name of Jesus, who was faithful to the point of death. And that one, the Son of God, who hung upon a cross, who was buried in a grave and who rose again, his faithfulness opens doors for you and I to have a relationship with him. Come on, do you receive that this morning? Can you give him praise in here? Come on, give him a hand clap of praise. This time your campus pastor is going to come and pray for you. We love you so much, guys. God bless you. Hey, I want to do this. I want to do this. If you, if you don't mind, just hold with me just for a minute. That's what I felt. Before the nine o'clock, I went back upstairs and I prayed because I felt this so heavy and I felt it in, in worship as well. Some of you need doors to be opened in your life. As I've gone through this, you've been thinking about doors and situations and, and this is what I felt. Some of you, it's a matter of what's on the inside. It's not this external opportunity. It's something you need God to do in you. Some of you, you you've been lacking peace and God wants to open that door for you. Oh, I feel this so strong. Some of you need joy and God says, I've got the key. Let me open the door for you. But you're only going to find it in his presence. And this is what we're going to do. You say, man, I need God to move. I felt like God did this for me during worship because I was going to be standing up here during this part. But I felt him touch my life during worship. As they were singing, I just felt the Holy Spirit just come on me and just refresh me. And some of you here, you need a refreshing of the Holy Ghost. We're not playing games. It's not, oh, we just heard a little sermon. We're going to go away right now. Just go eat some food. No, 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 no. You need to meet with God. You need to meet with God. No man can do it for you. No finances can do it for you. Your spouse can't even do this for you. Your closest friends can't do it for you but His presence can do it for you. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.